Hello, and welcome to the V Files. Uh, <laughs> this is um, we're going to try something different. I say that a lot, I know, um, but um, Topher had the idea. If once in a while we just do a show where we where I talk about like a recent case that I've seen, um, and then we decided it'd be fun to give it a cool name, and we were talking about what what were the things we said. Case review. Case review. Case report. Case files. Case files. And then case files turned into X files, which we can't use. And that's not what we are doing. So we called it V files. For veterinary. Yes, to be clear. I don't know what else you were thinking it would be, but we're going to. So welcome to the V files um, for veterinary cases where we're just going to talk about a case. Um, if you have an idea for something cooler to call the show, feel free um, to tweet us or Instagram us or email us. Should we just say all the ways they can do that now since sure. I usually forget to do it? Yeah. Um, so our Twitter and Instagram handles are vet jour- or at Vet Journal Club, or you can email us at veterinaryjournalclub at gmail.com, right? Right. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, um, we're just going to do this once in a while. And when I've got a cool case that I've seen at work, um, we'll just come in and chat about it. So uh, starting with one that I saw fairly recently, um, we had a... Uh, and these are, you know, I apologize to those of you that aren't like super excited about in critical care. But did you just mute me? Sorry, I meant to mute myself. I would he sneeze. just muted me. <laughs> oh, all right. Topher's sneezing. Um, but he forgot which one. Um, he's number one and I'm number two on the on the thing. Anyhow. Um, but so these are, of course, going to a lot of the cases are going to have uh, an emergency critical care, Ben, because that's what I do. Um, but I'll try to pick cases that end up having you know, cool features from other specialties. So if you're just like, Ugh, I'm so sick of all the emergency critical care stuff. Um, sorry, but also I will try to broaden it a little bit. Um, there's a few specialties that I'm probably not going to talk much about. But if you are not feeling like your specialty or the thing you're super interested in is represented well enough, then reach out to us and come talk on the show about a cool case you have seen. Um, that's open to whoever wants to come and chat with us. Okay, enough with the background and intro and plans. So the case. So several weeks ago, we had, uh, I think it was like a four-year-old male castrated Yorkshire Terrier that was um, referred to... So Yorkshire Terrier, that's a little dog, right? Little Yorkie, yeah. This cute little Yorkie. Um, and he was, ref- I think he was castrated. He might have been intact. I can't remember now. Um, but he was referred to us because he had a urethral obstruction, um, meaning he couldn't pee uh, because something was blocking the tube that takes the urine from his bladder to outside um, to the world. And so he was obstructed and some of the details are a little fuzzy now, but I'm pretty sure they had tried to pass a urinary catheter um, to relieve the obstruction and that hadn't gone well. Uh, So he was not doing so hot. Uh, So he came to us and on presentation... Oh, go ahead. Oh, do do dogs have weird urethas? Don't you say cats kind of have like a... Um, Dogs and cats, males. Sorry, bud. Um, So males have... Your urethra is longer and narrower and it makes some turns and so depending a little bit there are some anatomical differences but dogs and cats male dogs and cats both have um, relative to females of the same species uh, narrower definitely longer um, and a urethra rather than being um, straight takes makes a hairpin turn mm-hmm. um, in cats it's even smaller because cats are smaller right um, but then cats also are prone to getting a, an inflammatory disease called idiopathic cystitis and that can um, make them susceptible to forming blockages without any type of 
stones. Whereas if a dog has an obstruction, it's usually because of a stone or a mass. Okay. Um, so they can, they can both get an obstruction, but it's just like a different underlying disease um, pathogenesis. So this dog came in and so we're like, okay, there's, you know, probably a stone there. Um, and the RDVM, uh, the referring vet had taken radiographs, x-rays, and, but they didn't see any stones, which was like, hmm, that's curious. Because um, normally rocks will show up nicely on um, x-rays, but not all flavors of rocks. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this a little bit um, on a previous podcast when uh, Dr. Dominic came on to talk about um, liver shunts. And, um, but anyway, this, this Yorkie came in and he did have, in fact, a urethral obstruction. And so we had to sedate and then I think anesthetize him, um, in order to get a urinary catheter. What's the difference between those two? Oh, good question. So sedation is when we give a drug that makes you kind of like sleepy and loopy, but, um, full general anesthesia, meaning you're out, you're essentially in a coma. So if you're, um, if you're anesthetized, you're in a coma. If you are sedated, you're not quite like, you're a little bit like, whoa, what's going on? And there's a, there's a range for sedation. So sometimes you're pretty darn out of it. Um, and other times you're like just a little bit off. Um, and there's a huge range, but, um, so heavy sedation, meaning like pretty close to anesthesia, but not fully out. Um, and then anesthesia where Use the same drugs for that or are they totally um, sometimes drugs? no, yeah. some of the drugs overlap, um, and you can use higher dosages. Yeah. Um, but when we do anesthesia, we need to maintain the anesthesia because you're not going to just like, if you give a, a heavy dose of a drug that gets you really out of it, um, that'll wear off because the body works. And so, um, if, if you don't continue either with gas inhalant, so that's when like, um, we anesthetize the patient, we give it an injectable drug to knock it out completely, and then we pass a tube down their airway so that we can deliver gas inhalant so that you're they're breathing an anesthetic drug that keeps them sleepy mm-hmm. um, until we don't need it anymore, and then we turn that off and wake them up. So you have to maintain it in, in some way, shape, or form. Um, but we ended up putting the dog under full general anesthesia, which means anesthesia meaning I don't feel anything um, because we want the dog to be nice and relaxed. And so this that's a common thing that I'll see when people are trying to unblock dogs and cats um, is if they're, if they're sedated and not fully anesthetized, they're still a little bit in there, right? They're still a little bit awake. And so if they feel that pain and they're like, ah, oh, I don't like that. And they'll fight it and they'll clench and um, their muscles will, will um, react spasm or clench down. And then it's harder to pass a catheter because it's not nice and relaxed. Um, and it's also like, well, that's uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so if you're, if you're trying to unblock an animal and it's not going well and you don't have them anesthetized, that's the, probably one of the first things I would do is escalate from sedation to anesthesia and get them fully relaxed, fully to where they're not feeling anything. So you have one less thing that you're working against. Um, and this sort of thing, like if they're, if they're blocked and they stay blocked, they die. They die. So yes. you don't. You can't. It's not you like die. The, you're not worrying about using anesthesia. It's like, oh, what if they it, it like pass you, away in the anesthesia? It's like they're going to pass away anyway. Yeah, like so there's varying degrees. I mean, not done. that not that we want to be cavalier about it, but like this is not really an optional thing. You have right. to unblock this patient. Yeah. Um, in now there are ways to like get around that and bypass it. Like, man, I really can't unblock this patient. You can do what's called a decompressive cystocentesis. So you can be like, I can't get a catheter pass to relieve the obstruction. I'm going to go through the side of the body, take a needle, and just drain the bladder. Yeah, that was That's my question. Short, it's like, why yeah. can't you just like? You can do that, but you can do it around. once, and it doesn't. It doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. Like then the bladder's going to fill up again and you can't do that forever. Yeah. Um, so that's one like short term. If you're out in practice and you're like, bah, I don't know what to do. And they, like, there's really bad. You can do a, a decompressive cysto. So you just put a needle in a syringe and you empty the bladder that way. That's a one time thing though. You, you don't want to do that repeatedly. Um, typically, although they're 
anyway, we'll, we'll talk about a different one another time. There's, there's a case series or a study that they looked at block cats where they just repeatedly stowed them for a couple of days. And you can't, it's not ideal. And the authors of that don't recommend that as an ideal situation, but they're saying if there's nothing else you can do, you can try it. But anyway, Short-term solution. Um, if there's a stone in there, that stone ain't going anywhere unless you move it. And so you do at some point need to address that. But if you're just trying to stabilize them, you can do that one time. There's other things you can do is um, you can, to relieve or to bypass the obstruction is you can place um, cer- certain types of catheters directly through like the side of the body wall into the bladder. There's a pigtail catheter. That just means the end of the, the catheter's got a little corkscrew, which keeps mm-hmm. it in place once you've placed it. Um, so you can do things like that. But most of the time you'll be able to pass a urinary catheter up the urethra to either move the stone or slide around the stone. Yeah. Um, and so it kills the patient. It's it's not anything to do like specifically with the stone. It's just the no. buildup of Yeah, it's just the backup bile. of urine. Um, so not bile. This is the urinary bladder, not the gallbladder. And that's okay. Um, but what happens is actually, so the reason you pee, you make all this pee is to get rid of crap that you're trying to get rid of. Not literal crap that goes out the other end, but um, the things that you're you're filtering in your blood. So your kidneys are meant to filter the blood and help with water balance. And so you're getting rid of things. And, and probably the biggest thing, the thing that you die from is you're trying to get rid of potassium um, because if you have too much potassium, it builds up in your body, builds up in your blood, and then your heart doesn't work properly. Um, so patients that have a urethral obstruction um, and can't get rid of um, the waste in the urine, uh, the thing that they'll most likely die from acutely is hyperkalemia or too much potassium. Your heart stops working and then you die because you need that to Can work. there be problems with the stone too? Because it seems like yeah. a stone and a little thing, like it could cause irritation and Absolutely. some sort of... For uh, sure. Baby infection. Is yep, that a thing? That it could be. Um, yeah. So stones can be like what we call a nidus for infection, meaning like little nooks and crannies at microscopic level in the in the stone where bacteria they're really sharp, can live. Right? Not always. No. Um it depends on the type of stone. I, I imagine I've never had one myself. Um, but I can I've I mean I've felt a rock. Um and that's essentially what they are. And I imagine having that on your insides would be rather uncomfortable. Um and so they absolutely will cause irritation to the lining of the urinary tract. So the bladder, the urinary bladder will have irritation. If they get stuck in the urethra, they're sitting there and they can also cause pressure necrosis. You can eventually, as the body tries to like heal, you can develop um, strictures or like a a fibrous band of scar tissue that causes a narrowing and then you forever have problems um, with partial obstructions, things like that. Um, You can get rupture of those tubes and then things, the urine is Mm -hmm. leaking out into the body, which you don't want. So yeah, lots lots of things can go wrong. Um, But the most immediately life-threatening thing is the buildup of the toxins, the the potassium, and that's why you die. Um, Then... And there's all sorts of other complications that can develop down the road, even if you don't die from the too much potassium. So you you do need to move the stone or somehow bypass yeah. it. And are the stones, are they, is it like a sediment buildup or is it just like a crystallized thing that forms? Yes. No, um, so it's, um, it's not entirely, I, I guess I don't entirely know. Um, but yes, you get a buildup of certain minerals and then they form little concretions. So, um, is it where it sediments out? So like you get it all just yeah. sitting in your bladder and then eventually it comes together so and clumps, crystallizes like and, a, and forms. Yeah. It doesn't like grow like a crystal does. It's just... It might do that too. Okay. No, I think, I think it probably does some of that too, but the, the stones can be made of different things like even yeah. even one stone might not be all the same form like so they'll you'll have crystals in the urine sometimes too and so you can have struvite crystals and then never have any stones you can have no stone or no crystals and have struvite stones so we do see stones that are of the same makeup of crystals that are formed but we can also find stones that are like different two different types of material that they're made and so mm-hmm. that wasn't just crystallization because you'd get so it, it seems like it's multifactorial yeah i guess that would make sense if you start to form 
some sort of crystal, it would then build up sediment. sediment. Exactly. Yeah. So it's probably, it's probably, I'm not an expert on the crystal stone formation, but it's, um, it's probably a combination of those oh, things. Like those little, when you were a kid and you would get that rock and you break it open and then there are crystals the inside. Geodes? Yeah. The geodes, it's probably what they are. That's exactly what Very they are. Tiny yeah. Geodes. Whenever we were, <laughs> yeah, whenever we remove stones, we, we crack them open, we look inside and we go, Ooh, pretty. No, that's not true at all. That doesn't happen. I'm just kidding. Um, where was I? Oh, we had just begun. I don't know. So the dog. Uh, so, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. We're talking about the actual dog. So, um, so we had to anesthetize the dog to get it unblocked, and we were able to get a catheter in. And sometimes it's hard to know when you pass the catheter. Um, I wasn't the one who passed it; it was one of our techs who did it. Um, and when you pass the catheter, sometimes you can like feel like a release. You're like, oh, the stone moved. I'm pretty confident the stone moved because what you're trying to do is is actually usually push the stone back into the bladder. Which seems a little counterintuitive, like, but it was halfway out. Don't you want? But it's not coming the other way, because um, once it gets back into the bladder, it's not in the urethra, which is good. And then you can take it out of the bladder. You can cut it out of the bladder. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes that doesn't work, and you just get lucky. And the catheter you're trying to pass just slips past the stone, goes like slides to the side. Um, and so afterwards, we took some X-rays because we're like, let's see how everything's going, and we couldn't see a stone anywhere. And that made us think, huh wonder wonder like there's a stone there we're pretty confident there's we just can't see it so there are some types of stones that are radiolucent meaning they don't show up on x-rays um and when you have that especially in like a a young dog particularly a yorkie or or other small breed dog um you want to think about urate stones which are radiolucent and also commonly form in dogs that have liver shunts portosystemic shunts and so this dog is there a reason why they commonly form? Is it just, yep, it's a thing that happens? Yeah, so it's a buildup of ammonia um, okay. in the system. Yeah, so it's just change in your body chemistry because your liver's not functioning properly because it's not getting the right amount of blood flow. Um, so, yeah, it is. There's a reason. Um, so we go, hey, we're not finding this stone. And even though this dog hasn't had any clinical signs that are um, typical of a dog with a shunt, we're suspicious this dog has a shunt. So this dog came in on like a Friday or Saturday. I can't remember for sure. So we get it un- unblocked. We have a catheter and we're like, cool. <clears throat> it's now stable enough. We can get things under control. And um, so come Monday, it's like, cool. Um, we know it has a stone. We need to go in and get that out. Um, but it might also have a liver shunt. So let's kind of have a plan and play. Let's figure out all the things that are going on. So it got an abdominal ultrasound. Um, so just, you know, looking, doing sonography, hang on, <clears throat> excuse me. And then, um, they said, aha, there is a liver shunt. They confirmed it on ultrasound. They could, they could trace the abnormal vessels and be like, do, 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 oop, oop, wait, you're supposed to go this way and block off. Huh. And instead you go the other way. Oh, is, is it like a surgical liver shunt or is it? Event? Yeah. So yeah. why wouldn't you know that in the records already? Cause nobody has diagnosed it. Oh, it needs a liver shunt. No, what? it has a liver shunt. Okay, so a so liver. So I guess sh- the thing is, uh, yeah. was this like something surgically done to the dog to give it the liver shunt? No. Okay. No, no, no. So it was born. So when you're when you're in mom's womb, you borrow her liver. Your liver's not actually doing anything anymore, mm-hmm. and so basically your blood bypasses your liver because mom's filtering the blood, so you don't need your liver. Um, so there is a, a basically a vessel that is supposed to go to the liver, but you skip it um, in utero. And then when you're born, that that little shunt is supposed to close. And now the blood is supposed to go to your liver because it's supposed to do the job now. Mm-hmm. Um, but in some animals, that doesn't close. And so there's other types of shunts. Sometimes there's like heart 
you know, valves, like every, vessels that don't close off the way they're supposed to, um, like a PDA or a patent ductus arteriosus, which is just a fan Latin term for uh, blood vessels in the heart that don't close, um, or in the aorta rather. But um, at any rate, this dog had that. And so they can follow it and say, hey, the blood is supposed to go to the liver and it's not. It's bypassing the liver and going right to um, back to like the heart and the lungs before it got filtered. Um, and sometimes animals are asymptomatic. And this was one of the dogs that was um, reportedly not had any signs um, that would you would expect to find with a dog with a liver shunt. And that's not that uncommon. So here the dog is in the hospital. It's got a urinary catheter in. Everything's all going great. We've diagnosed it with a liver shunt. So cool. So what's the surgery to like fix the liver shunt called? Um, so there's different. Do you remember when Dr. Donovan yeah, came that's on what and I talked about it? Okay. Back to. I thought so that was, that was called. He talked about the shunt. amyloid ring restrictor. It was a portosystemic shunt. No, the shunt is the v- abnormal yeah, vessel. Yeah, I guess that's where I, I got confused. I, yeah, like there's the, the cellophane banding and amyloid ring constrictor. Yeah, I thought that was called the, like they referred to that as gotcha. a liver shunt. No, the shunt is the so disease. The shunt is the thing you're getting rid of. Yes, we're closing the shunt. And what do they call the the surgery for that? Shunt surgery. Shunt. Okay. <laughs> so that's yeah. To someone who yeah. hasn't read the text, yeah, no, that's fair. Because when you so, said, I was like, well, why wouldn't you know this dog went to some big surgery? Sorry, no, it it was pre-existing. It was born yeah. with this shunt, and no one has found it, um, and no one has closed it. So shunt surgery is not creating a shunt; it's getting rid of a shunt. Yeah. I could see why that would be confusing. Okay. Cool. That's why I was confused. Okay. No, that's okay. I was like, what are you talking about? All right. So we diagnosed this dog with this shunt that we need to get rid of with shunt surgery. Now that, now it sounds really terrible to say it that way. <laughs> um, whatever. I'll, I'll get over it. So we said, cool. The dog has two surgical diseases. It has a stone in its urinary system somewhere. We can't find it because it we can't doesn't show up on x-rays. Um, they probably saw it on ultrasound. I can't remember if it was still in the urethra. I think it was. Yes, the stone was still in the urethra. That's what was important. Um, so we did bypass um, the catheter went around the stone, but we didn't push the stone back into the bladder. So that's a, a more complicated surgery because you need somebody who can potentially cut into the urethra if needed um, versus just going into the bladder, which a lot of veterinarians are going to be comfortable doing. Do you have to remove the stone from yes. the bladder? Yeah. Well, it's just going to get caught again or? Yes. Well, okay. It needs to get out somehow. There's different ways yeah. that you can get it's rid of it. It's not just going to kind of like hang out in there for 15 years. Well, it it didn't up to this point. It, it was the yeah. right size that it tried to get out the urethra, but it was small enough to get started, but not small enough to get all the way through. And there's no reason to think so that wouldn't you happen could just again. Put off the shunt surgery, and it gets bigger, and then it won't <laughs> go down the hole, right? Uh, I suppose if it were you and your bladder, you <laughs> could take that chance. If it were me and mine, I'd be like, no, cut it out. Um, but also the fact that the dog has a shunt is the reason it's forming that stone. And if we can fix the shunt, then it won't form new stones, but it's not going to get rid of the old stone. So this, this stone was probably, you know, it's just, it's just the right size or the wrong size, depending on your perspective. Um, so no, I'm not going to just leave it there. That's a terrible plan. No, I don't like that. I like to fix things when I can. Yeah. And if, you know, money was an issue or something, yeah, there's other things you can do like lithotripsy, which is using like fancy lasers to kind of like break down with like sound waves. Yeah. I remember that when I was a kid, they had like some tank for people with kidney stones that they could sit in and it. A tank? Ooh. Yeah. And it was fun. It was like a big bathtub and they would put some sort of sonic wave. Yeah. And it would maybe break them up. But I didn't hear anything about it ever since then. So it probably (laughs) didn't work. Um, Lithotripsy is a real thing, but it's much more directed. You're not just like sitting in a nice bathtub, although taking a bath sounds nice. I was a child, so it may have been more. Yeah, you're probably completely wrong about all the details. (laughs) Probably not, though. (laughs) 
Um, at any rate, so this, what makes this case rather interesting, and there's going to be some bits that I can't explain, but so we diagnosed it with a shunt on Monday. Um, we it had a urinary catheter in for the last few days and we're like, okay, cool. We're going to take the dog to surgery the next day, put an amaroid ring on it, get the stone out. So get that shunt on the road to being shrunk down and eventually closed off. Um, and we're going to make it so he can pee again. And then over time, he's not going to form more stones because we're going to close off his shunt. Woohoo. Well, that night he started having seizures. Lots of them. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. So seizures in a dog with a shunt are most likely caused by hepatic encephalopathy. So this dog isn't um, able to filter anything at this point. He what can't, is hepatic encephalopathy? We've talked about hepatic encephalopathy as, so hepatic meaning, hepatic just means liver. Encephalopathy means your brain's unhappy. Um, so the liver is supposed to filter a bunch of toxins too. So liver and kidney are the filtration mm-hmm. systems in your body. And the liver's not doing that because the blood isn't going to the liver. It's skipping the liver and all the dirty blood that was supposed to be filtered by the, the liver is just going right oh, to the brain. Oh, they talked about that in Harry Potter. Did they? Yeah, the dirty blood. <laughs> the dirty blood. No, those are what Hermione blood bloods. Was. You're terrible. Um, you're a bad person. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think they get that name for a different reason. Oh. As that was racist. Not because they have uh, I think it's racism. liver shunts? No, I think they're just racist. Oh. I think, yeah. I like to look on the brighter side. Yeah. Malfoy just thought Hermione had a liver shunt. <laughs> No, he was a jerk. Um, that is different. So dirty blood is um, not meant to be a derogatory term, but your liver is broken and it's not working. And so the unfiltered blood is going to your brain and all of the crap that you're supposed to be getting rid of is not being gotten rid of. And it's soaking your brain in bad things like too much ammonia. Um, and therefore your brain stops working and it can get bad enough to where you even have seizures, which is what happened in this particular dog. So... This dog started having seizures. Lots and lots of them was in what's called status epilepticus, meaning ongoing seizure activity that doesn't stop, um, which is bad for your brain, as you can imagine. Um, so um, I was actually off that Monday, but so or the first part of that week. And so all this was happening, and then they were getting the seizures under control, giving it drugs um, to try to get the seizures under control. And they kind of did. They got them reasonably well under control. But after all the seizure activity, the dog was like, Bleh neurologically very inappropriate um and so some of that is hepatic encephalopathy and some of that is all the seizures that are now reasonably well controlled so fast forward um another day or two um and i come back onto clinics and this dog is like neurologically inappropriate but it still has a uh, urethral stone still has a urinary catheter in place and still has a shunt and so but it was like bah, but he's neurologically looks really bad and we're really worried about him and he looks terrible and we don't want to anesthetize him because we're not sure how he'll do and um but he had a bunch of surgical diseases, like diseases that just needed surgery. Um, and so the one thing I have learned over the years, the only one thing I've learned one thing over the years, and this is it, get ready. Um, no, one of, the, one of the important things I've learned over the years is that dogs and cats with brain issues, if the underlying reason for the brain issue is treatable, treat it and the brain is probably going to get better. They're like so resilient. Um, animals that can have severe neurologic things, whether it's from a toxin or hypoxemia, or ongoing seizures or drugs, um, all sorts of things. If they if they die and they come back, they're neurologic. Like that's like, fall under hypoxia. But um, but the brain, like either either dogs and cats are just like really resilient and they come back, or 
we just don't have a very high bar set for what they need to be able to do. Like if you have, right, similar- you might not like they might not be able to speak French anymore. Right, exactly. But, but who your, cares? Your dog didn't yeah, speak French to he can't with. operate heavy machinery, but he shouldn't be doing that anyway. Yeah. So if your goal for the dog is to have a good life, eat, sleep, pee, poop, you know, interact with mom and dad, be really happy, be excited, um, then give it a shot because you're probably going to get him back to that point. Um, this dog was like blind, neurologically, like just completely mentally inappropriate, had no idea where he was, didn't know where his people were, like didn't know what was going on. He was like completely dysphoric, demented, not okay. Couldn't walk, couldn't see, um, couldn't write himself. He was a mess. Um, and it's like, yeah, well, his brain's on fire, you know? Um, but we can get better from that because we can medically manage the shunt. We can surgically start to close the shunt and we can surgically get that stone out of his urethra and get him on the road to recovery. So, um, so it took a little convincing on my part to get, um, the surgeons on board. Not a lot. So you think the the seizures happen, like, do they happen quicker than they normally would? Yeah. So that's the part of this case that I don't really understand. Also, yes. it already had... It had the liver shunt. Well, so it had a buildup of nasty stuff. In so its it already blood. had like the dirty blood going. Yes. So eventually, with the liver shunt, something neurological, but then the kidney stone kind of I don't on. know why this dog started having seizures when he did. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. Because I could make the argument like, okay, well, he has the bladder stone or the, the urethral stone, and that's going to cause um, a buildup of other things from the kidney side. Like he's going to be hyperkalemic for a bit. He's going to be azotemic. And those things are not good, meaning a buildup of B1 and creatinine. Mm-hmm. Those things aren't good for his brain. But he didn't start having seizures until a couple days later when we had, like all those things were better because we had the urinary catheter in. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, the, the liver shunt wouldn't cause like a seizure eventually. Yes, the liver shunt will yeah. cause a seizure. Yeah. So maybe it was just timing. It, yeah, it was just either bad like, luck or good luck depending yeah. on how you look at it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why in that moment. Like why had the dog not had any observed neurologic signs prior to that time and then now he's in the hospital for urethral obstruction, seems to be doing well, we've got everything in plan, everything sorted, and then boom, now he has apparently no signs before. Because usually they don't go right into seizures. They actually have like other subtle changes first. So those could have been missed, um, which is possible if they're Mm -hmm. subtle enough. Um, Or I don't know. I just, I can't explain why that dog started having seizures when it did. And how long does it normally take when like a dog has a stone to start having seizures and things? So stones don't normally cause seizures. Oh, so it's the shunt that does that? Yes, it was the shunt. I just don't know have this having the stone somehow caused other... I don't know. I can't explain it. Yeah. Okay. So, other questions before I move on to what happened next? No, I'm good. Okay. Um, so, a little bit of convincing to get the surgeon on board who was like, uh, ah, this dog looks terrible. I'm like, I know, I know. I was like, but I'll make a deal with you. But you, you're going to make it better. But you're going to make it better. Exactly. But... I'm going to take the credit because you're going to cut the case and then I'm going to do you the favor of taking back, taking the case over afterwards. And the surgeon was like, yeah, that sounds great. And I was like, cool. If you'll just cut it, I'm like, I'm going to talk to the owners. I'm going to explain the risks, the pros and cons and all the options. But I really think we need to just take the dog to surgery and fix its problems. Um, and the surgeon was like, okay. Um, and then the anesthetist came down and was like, uh, you want me to anesthetize this dog? And I was like, yes, I do. And they were like, but it looks terrible. I'm like, yes. Please do it anyway. Yeah, it I was be like, easier, it, it was, right? yeah, exactly. It's a hardy and a coma almost. It was stuporous. But so they were worried about the neurologic status under anesthesia, which is fair. But I was like, we're going to make it 
better if we do these other things. Like we just need to do this. Like, just trust me. Cause cardiovascularly, the dog was fine. Heart and lungs, totally fine. So for the things that I usually worry about with anesthesia, heart and lungs, not an issue in this dog. So I was like, we're just, just trust me, just take this dog to anesthesia. It will be okay. Um, so took the dog to anesthesia and didn't have any complications under anesthesia. Surgery went well. They were able to get the stone out of the urethra into the bladder, cut into the bladder, and they were able to place the amaroid ring around the liver shunt. Woohoo! Um, and then got the case back. I was like, yes, give it back to me. And I said, now the dog just needs time. That's it. So it was on medications to treat seizures, to prevent seizures. It wasn't having more seizures. It was still neurologically inappropriate. But over the next few days, it just gradually got a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. Woo! Exactly right. Um, so it was it was one of those things. And and the the lesson that I would want people to learn from this is when patients look really bad neurologically, if you know why it's happening and the underlying reason for that is potentially treatable, then treat it. It'll get better. Especially when the uh, like the consequences death. Yeah, exactly. What have you got to lose, yeah. right? Like You're you not have this dog who is neurologically inappropriate because yeah. it's going to die anyway. If you don't fix the problems that we've identified and are fixable, how do you expect this animal to get better? Um, the answer is I don't. And so it's like, well, I because that was the thing. It was like, well, when the dog's better, we can do surgery. It's like, but it's not going to get better if we don't fix its problems. Um, so yeah, so we medically managed the shunt temporarily, got it to surgery. Um, I mean, it's that that dog shunt is still closing down slowly right now as we speak. Um, but we got it stone out, which is awesome. So it could pee it. And then, so we sent it home several days later, not normal, but like significantly better. Um, the owners were thrilled. They were super duper happy. I called them like a week or so after we sent it home and he was continuing to get better. They were still really happy. In fact, I need to give him another call and see how he's doing. But, um, yeah, he was due for like a recheck with his local vet. Um, and then he'll follow up with the surgery team, um, to check on his liver values and, and kind of see what's going on with his shunt to make sure that the amaroid ring is closing the way it's supposed to. Um, but yeah, that was a really, for me, it was a very gratifying case because everybody was like kind of doom and gloom about it. It was like, oh, this dog looks terrible. It was like, oh my God, I can't believe that dog's still alive. I'm like, why am I the only one who thinks this dog is going to do well? Um, well, you're so, the only criticalist. I get, yeah. You're used to was, critical patients. I guess that's part of it too, is when you see enough critical patients, you're just like, yeah, yeah, it is real sick guess it's why it's here, huh? <laughs> like, yay, it's in the right place then. Um, so, but I've seen enough of them over the years look terrible, right? And I've been burned on those before. I'm like, this dog looks terrible. It's, it's suffering. We should euthanize it or, you know, things like that. Like we can't fix this. And then it like leaves doing well a few days later. And you're like, that's amazing. Um, so animals are pretty amazing. And if we give them a little bit of help, they'll often do a great job of getting better mostly on their own. We just need to tweak it um, tweak things a little bit here and there. So, um, so that's my advice. As long as you're honest and open with clients and, you know, they understand what the costs are and what the risks are, like, let's give it a shot. Um, cause like you said, if you do nothing, I don't have any reason to think this yeah, animal will get better. Yeah. It's definitely like that stone isn't going anywhere. Um, the shunt isn't going anywhere. Like we, we've identified fixable problems. So let's, let's give it a go. Um, and it doesn't always work out that way. Um, I'm sure over time we will share some stories with things that don't work out the way we hope they will. Um, but, um, many people have heard me say this many times over the years. The only treatment that I have ever provided that has a 100% success rate is euthanasia. It's the only treatment. I've never had a treatment failure. Every single patient I have tried to euthanize has, in fact, died. It's the only, it's the only treatment with 100% success rate. I do know some, some, um, uh, some veterinarians who don't have 100% success rate, but it's really, it's like 99.99. I've had a couple. One of, one of my colleagues tells a story about when he tried to euthanize a turtle and then 
gave it to pathology and pathology called him and was like, Hey, your turtle's alive. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was a good story. Um, at any rate, uh, if you, if you don't try, right, if you, if you euthanize patients, like, you know, what's going to happen. And sometimes that's appropriate and it's totally fine. But if you have clients that are willing and on board and understand the risks and the costs and, and all the things that could go wrong, um, but also all the things that could go right, then man, let's give it a shot. Cause we can do a lot of good. Yeah. Well, also if you're like putting a animal into anesthesia, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not like a torturing thing. No, they're, they're not suffering at all. Like yeah. by quite by it's definition, probably close to the same thing as a euthanasia. Yeah, except they wake up from ours. You know, from anesthesia, like they have a chance. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. That that dog, and, and it's hard to know when they are neurologic. It can be really hard to to watch them because you're like, oh my god, that seems terrible. Um. But I and I don't really know like how much that dog was aware of. I actually suspect that dog wasn't aware of much for those few days, and probably has like weird black you know blackout periods in his memory it's like what was going on how much did like I it might ha- yeah it might be having some like maybe it has weird psychedelic dreams now because of all that time um but uh, like people that experience seizures report varying degrees of like i remembered nothing i have these weird you know dreams or these weird you know flashes or weird recollections but they, typically they're not suffering like patients um people that have seizures aren't like oh my god it's terrible it was the worst 40 seconds of my life and it was like torture for that yeah, time. everybody i've like, heard that one so they yeah, don't remember anything yeah exactly so whether during that you're experiencing something if if you if you are experiencing something terrible you have powerful enough amnesia that it's not ruining your life um and i i suspect they're just really not aware of much during that time and so so I think that dog, I think the, the the pet owners probably were suffering more than the dog was just with all the anxiety and how scary it is and to have their, um, you know, their pet in the hospital for quite some time, but they are thrilled and we got to send him home and everybody's happy. How and long was, was the dog in the hospital for? That dog would have been in the hospital for probably a week and change, maybe seven, seven to ten. Long. I mean, it's a long time if it's your dog. What yeah, if, it's a long time. What just, if we had Hippo had to be in the hospital for? You'd be a wreck if Hippo was in the hospital. I was for just a thinking week. about like, I don't know. I think it's yeah, being sick it wasn't months. A, like, yeah. yeah, like no. a month is a long time. Yeah, we've been in quarantine for. Yeah, you also didn't pay the what, bill. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, everything's relative, right? But um, a week is is it is a relatively long time, but um, it's in. A different relativity. It's a very short time. So um, you would be a wreck, though, if it were hippo. You'd be bugging me every day. Can we go check on what's going on? You'd be terrible. Yeah, I, we, I get happens. those uh, the webcams and stuff installed real oh quick gosh. the way I wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, so that was a cool recent case um, that I've had. Um, so give it a try. Try things. Don't give up on them. Uh, you know, if you've got something treatable. That's my, that's my take home. Yeah. Do something. Is this is this how you wanted this to go when yeah, you had this so. idea for case stuff? This yeah. is Topher's idea. If you guys if you guys love it, um, go ahead and send some feedback to me. If you think it was terrible, you want to email Topher. Um, so direct your emails to Topher if you disliked it and you think it was a terrible idea. I check all the emails. I know it's all going to go to Topher, <laughs> but he will let me know um, what you what you guys say if you say good things, bad things. Right? You'll tell me no matter what. Yeah. Okay. We haven't gotten a bad one yet, but I'm waiting for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could be the first if you feel like this was a terrible or any of them. Uh, we, we really do want your feedback, though. So we'd be welcome. Uh, you know, constructive, um, critical feedback is also welcome. If you're really, really mean, I'm probably going to ignore you. Let's be honest. Okay. I won't. I'll laugh. Yeah, you would. It would probably hurt my feelings a little bit. You could be critical. Just don't be mean about it. There's no need to be mean. Be nice. Be kind. Be good out there. All right, everybody. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to The V-Files.